And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Here we go. Gen Z, talent wars, and the middle market. Man, that's a lot of stuff that we're going to unpack on today's episode, Startup Pulse. Before I let you know who I'm going to have today's conversation with, the episode is sponsored by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. If you're not aware, that's my company. We love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. So come on by the site. It takes like two minutes to fill out a couple questions and the platform will match you up with people that can hopefully help you build your dreams and make them come true. With me today, I've got Dustin Baker. Dustin is the founder and CEO of Shatterbox. That's an e-learning apprenticeship and talent placement company out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Shatterbox is also on Startup Hustle's list of top Tulsa startups. You can learn more about what they do by going to shatterbox.io. There's a link in the show notes for that somewhere down and around where that full scale link is. Why don't you scroll on down right now and click both of them so you can get a little context. If you haven't listened, you know a little bit more about me, learn a little bit more about Shatterbox, but let's get right into this. Dustin, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks, Matt. I'm really glad to be here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, you know, let's let's uh, let's begin today's conversation and journey with a a little bit more about your backstory. So, um, about a week after I started shaving, I went to work for the trade association for uh, for the the U.S. Small Business Administration's flagship loan program. It kind of was my side door into that industry, been there for 20 years plus doing um, all kinds of things around SBA lending and kind of landed in the staffing space. So kind of run a recruitment uh, executive search firm in the SBA space exclusively for the last 14 years. Um, and we're kind of the largest firm that does that in that sector. Um, and through the pandemic, that just kind of began to spin other doors of opportunity open, I think, like for a lot of people. And so now um, we're doing that, but we're kind of taking that in a different direction with Shatterbox and um, trying to solve this massive labor shortage in, in our industry that I think a lot of industries are dealing with um, and putting some kind of new tools out there that our industry's never seen to do that. I think that can translate into a lot of the other industries dealing with similar problems. So that's kind of what Shatterbox is all about and how I kind of landed here doing this. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in adjacent but not competitive uh, businesses, meaning like the struggle's real, you know? And that's like part of why we started Full Scale was to try to help businesses have a faster path to the people that were needle movers, you know? And, and that's tough to do. And, and for those of you that aren't aware, there, you know, you get, if you read the Wall Street Journal, it'll indicate that somehow our economy is slowing. The jobs report does not indicate that. There are significantly more jobs available in America across all jobs 
then there are people that are looking for jobs, which means we have a negative unemployment rate on many levels. Now, stats will be like, oh, we have an unemployment rate of 3%. No, we don't. I mean, we really don't in a lot of ways, because here's the thing, that 3% of people that are looking for jobs, those jobs might be full, but we got a whole lot of other ones that we can't fill. So what are you going to do to do that? And like with, I know I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm not off on a rant here because I think this is important because as an entrepreneur, you owe it to yourself and your business to go, you, look, opportunity success and the right people aren't always going to come find you. You got to go find them. And in our case, like, so, you know, we deal with technical talent. So developers, testers, and software leaders, you want to talk about negative unemployment rate. 100% of U.S. cities have a negative unemployment rate for developers. And then your hometown of Tulsa will actually pay people, is it 10 grand to come move there? Yeah. So um, the Tulsa remote program is interesting. That's kind of how I got to Tulsa um, right. as a business owner or a remote worker. Um, you you can basically get paid a relocation fee to come live here. And then they also put you in this sort of incubated environment with a couple thousand other people who've moved here. They create um, kind of free co-working, um, subsidized office situations. And that's just one piece of what they're doing from kind of a microeconomic development standpoint here. Um, they've, they've but just, those are, those are reactionary measures to an impossible job yeah. market. Cause, cause let's be real. I'm in Kansas city. You're in Tulsa. I love my hometown, but it's not sexy on the outside. Neither is Tulsa. People are like, I got my new computer science degree. I'm packing it up and I'm moving to Tulsa to get rich. No, in the last, they go to New York or San Francisco <laughs> or somewhere else that like most people have heard of. Well, and I think too, like it's, it's always about narrative and story. And so if we're talking about how to attract talent, you better have a compelling story. You better know what your distinctives are. And so Tulsa's figured that out, right? And that is, you're not going to get rich if you live in New York or San Francisco, no matter how much you make, you're going to spend right. a hell of a lot of time sitting in your car, uh, trying right. to park your car, you're just so you can bring now. your groceries in your apartment, right? And so you can move to Tulsa and now with this new remote economy, you can make very similar money and you can deploy it. You actually, you may only have 10 restaurants you want to go eat at, but you actually have time to go sit down and have that meal. Um, and you so can actually similar, afford a house. You can buy a house yeah. in, in proximity to downtown. Yeah. You know, there's nowhere that I have to go from where I'm sitting that I can't get to in 15 minutes, any time of the day in Tulsa. And Dude, so, places like Kansas city and Tulsa, in my opinion, are founder heaven. Um, if you can structure things right now, you're going to be, have to be a little more creative. You know, you look at like what you guys do at Shatterbox or what we do at full scale. Like I'm a global citizen, Dustin, like I, you know, like my company by nature is remote and there's a big debate with that right now. So this is, you know, we went from the, everyone being pushed to remote, everyone wanting remote, and now there's this, you know, come back to the office battle. Uh, for us, we just said, you know, we're remote and we made that a pillar because uh, when we announced that we would not bring any staff back to the office, and most of my employees are in the Philippines, dude, we got three, that word hit the street yeah. there. And we got three times, we get a lot of applicants already. And we have a huge spike because that word got out because, and we knew that would happen. But that was part of you talk about shaping that narrative, right? Yeah. Like, and that's why we want to come work for you. That matters. Now we had Gen Z in the title of this episode. All right, Gen Z, get your shit together is what I want to say. Like, you can't come in, you can't come into everything with a, a sense of self entitlement 
an expectation, like that's not always a great thing, but at the same time, we need you in our workforce. So there's a, there's this transformational thing going on right now. You know, and I think that, um, there's a real sort of, uh, mixed opinion about Gen Z. I'll tell you the first two W2 employees that we've hired at Shatterbox are 22 and 26 years old, and they're both badasses and either they can work from wherever in the world they want because they're grownups and they get their stuff done at a high level rapidly. And so I think so the key is, are you a grown up? Yeah. Start there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that's that the bottom line is you do, you have to hire grownups and that's about selection. It's about making sure that you know who you're bringing in. And so, but I will say this, like from like a remote work standpoint, so I'm a, I work in staffing and SBA, which is banking, right? Yeah. And banking is traditionally stuffy and, and you've got to, you go into your brick and mortar office and I haven't placed, placed a non-remote employee in four years in my business. Uh, pre-pandemic, I wasn't placing non-remote employees. So I think um, that's a distinctive that maybe is less distinctive now, right? And so you... Um, you have to, if you're, if you're going to attract folks to meet the needs of your business, whatever that business is, um, you've got to figure out what's compelling about your story over against the other folks. Cause there's, there's increase. So we're talking about Gen Z. And so let's, let's go into that a little bit. And that goes for everybody, Dustin. I mean, like that now that's a compelling story for some people, but like, I mean, in the end, human nature is you want to work at a place that's fun and cool. And, and where you're valued and yeah. where you get to do things. That's that, part of fun and cool. Yeah. Because yeah. if you don't feel valued or it's a lame place to work, then fun's out. Yeah. Well, and, and where you've got some control over your desk and how you do the work as long yeah. as the results, you know, meritocracy, it's all those things that people talk about, but do they really deliver it? You know, and, and people figure out real quick if it's just, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they're well, out. And, and there's, yeah. And, and that is true. Yeah, you know, for us, like there's a few things that are, you know, our model coming into a lot of this and my company grew pretty quick, you know, we're over 300 employees and our fifth birthday is in June of 2023. Yeah. So growing fast now with that in the Philippines, we had a lot of people that were trying to recruit top talent. And so when we hired our first 15 people, we, I sat them down and I had an in-depth conversation with all of them. What are the things that you loved about the places you've worked in the past? And what are the things that you have hated? And I, you know, and so I, if you're a regular listener, you know where I'm going with this. You listen for the echo. Sorry, that's like one of my things I say a lot. But entrepreneurs do that. You hear the echo. So in those conversations, that I mean, there were three or three to five things that were really echoey. Like they weren't, they didn't feel that they were valued. That's the first thing. They didn't feel that they were paid fairly. The equipment that they used was garbage. Um, and then they weren't challenged. And so with that, we shaped our whole model around that. We're going to have top pay. We're going to have top benefits. We're going to have top equipment. That goes without even being discussed. And then we try to be really picky about what our clients and projects are because we want you to feel engaged. You shouldn't be a developer with 15 years of experience doing entry-level stuff. That would bore the hell out of me. So, yeah. yeah. So it's some of it's that shaping it up and matching it and you know, like we're not a, a freelance marketplace for that reason. We, you know, we take a lot of pride and I'm sure you do as well in finding that right match. Cause there's some bank that you're like, I would never place anyone there. And then there's probably 100%. another one. You're like, God, I'm hoping I can get you in here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and if you do have the luxury of working on um, accounts, whether that's a, a project or a or client you're trying to hire somebody for, 
where um, you believe in the story, that makes a lot of difference too. And so we've, we've been able to be selective um, with regard yeah. to that for, for a long time. Uh, but it's funny, you know, when you, what you didn't say came up in the echo is money. Now you said you, you do. I top did. Pay, no, it is. They felt like they were underpaid. Underpaid. And that's the, and that's Under, the value too. But it's just as often to me that I'm, I'm not getting the intellectual or the emotional compensation that I'm really looking for that, that, and I've placed 500 people probably in my space uh, in the last 14 years. And that's, that's why people call generally, unless you're just wildly underpaid. Um, those are the, those are the reasons that people finally decide, like, I've got to make a, got to make a change. So if, if people feel like they're moving toward forward towards their goals, and I wrote about this in my book, balance me, if people feel like they're moving, to, moving forward, like with their, with their skills or their goals, or they're doing things that they're passionate about money, isn't the primary concern, but if you can deliver both of that, then, okay. So yeah. in 2022, which was very known as the year of the resignation, we had a 93% employee retention rate. And I tell people that and they don't, they don't believe me, dude. And, <laughs> and it's true though. But with that, so you talk about the pay and then another thing too, like you look at something like equipment, uh, for me, a software developer is, is a ninja or a samurai and you don't give a samurai a butter knife and tell him to go out and, and take, you know, and go out and fight the good fight. And, and those are little annoying things. We've snapped a few things onto that because I'm a big believer in CSR, corporate social responsibility. So we've also like kind of wrapped community involvement and engagement up with team building. So like we might do a team building thing, but we'll let them choose like, and our employees want this more than they just want to go like, uh, zip lining, you know? So like they'll get together and they'll like have a party, like a little, a little barbecue or something. They'll clean up an entire beach and then have a barbecue on it and clean that up. And, you know, like some of that is, and they get, they're getting that personal involvement. And they're also, cause like you look at the Philippines, a lot of people have come into countries like that and kind of abuse them. Yeah. So working for a company that, that gives back to the community and just dress and, and treats it properly. And with respect, like we get a ton of people. Like, I think that has a big thing to do. You get this sense of pride in where you work. You're not, you're not, it's not like, sorry, Exxon, sue me if you want, but I'll never work for you. Cause I feel like your product is destroying everything around it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's hard to, you know, so there's, there's some, some scheduling with that dude with developers, they care more about the technology they're working with and that they're challenged than they do about pay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then if you're fairly paid retention is going to be, you know, 93% yeah. in the year of the great resignation. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, we adjust that. We review that stuff every six months. Um, and you know, at full scale, you get, you get a raise every six months, even if it's just like, and not once a year. You know, like, and we yeah. spread that out and we also just review some of that. And like, you know, obviously we have people that generate revenue. We want to make sure that that's rewarded. And I mean, it's, it's amazing how, how, uh, how far an attaboy or atta girl can go, you know, just like, Hey, you did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so what are the things that you guys are, what are you guys doing in terms of trying to, uh, or how have you done it? If you've hired 300 people in five years, 
in a market that's, um, you know, that they're just a and a problem, right? Um, yeah. you, you've, you've offshored some of that and gone and hired in the Philippines. It's um, all offshore. Dude, I have six employees in the U.S., 309 in the Philippines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one way. How, how do we do that? Um, yeah, and I'm just in, in this environment, like what's worked for you? Because the, the labor shortage here, and it sounds like that's what wor- what's worked for you because you've got people, baby boomers are finally retiring in mass, yeah. right? You've got immigration policy that's not real good for you know employment here in the U.S. You've got um, a whole bunch of people that have um, resigned and decided to start their own businesses. Now they need employees too, right? So you've got all of these factors rolling and these are like, um, these are macro issues, right? The micro issue is interest rates and a couple of bank failures and whatever, like that'll blow off and the macro issues are still there. So like for Chatterbox, that's the problem that we see that a lot of these companies are going to have to solve for. And so I'm, I'm interested to hear a little bit more of your story about how you guys have pulled that off in tech, which is uh, maybe there's some hiring opportunities now, but in general, there have not oh, been. It's, it's super competitive. Up, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, first off, I mentioned going to opportunities. So in a lot of, a lot of foreign countries, um, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, had the foresight that we didn't necessarily have in the U S which was to start training people en masse for a world related to computer science, like the reality of, of education. And I, some people, yeah, but the, the quality, Hey, all I know is there's a hell of a lot of programmers in the Philippines, a lot more there. There's probably as many programmers in the Philippines, which has a quarter of the population of the U S as there is in the entire U S. I think some of that, you got to position yourself where that opportunity is. And then, as I mentioned, the very first people that came in, tell us what you like, tell us what you didn't. It's a very simple model. You do more of what they like. Now, as a founder, a CEO, whoever it is, if you ever get to the point where you believe that any of those people work for you, you're looking at it incorrect. I work for the employees at full scale. Right. And without them, I'm just a dude looking for something to do. And they know that. So creating a culture that that listens to our employees and um, and then, you know, and then like there's a level of appreciation. Now you get that basic foundation and then you can turn to your existing employees and turn them into a recruitment tool that is beyond leverageable. Because here's the thing is like. Uh, so I compete with big box companies that have big oper- Accenture, National Cash Register, Lexmark, Kyocera, IBM. Now, here's the thing. Those are, on the surface, great companies to work for, but they're also like Globocorp. You know, like you're a cog in a machine. You're employee 0482. At full scale, you're you're Dustin, you know, and and, and whatever, and you're like not the Jean Valjean of uh... <laughs> right, and and so some of that is you know, then you create that, and then they bring people in, and then honestly, dude, we actually made this sounds weird because you're trying to hire more people. We made it hard to get a job. We're yeah. very very picky. Like uh, only one in forty two applicants gets gets a job offer because we have to meet. I would love that if that's just where that falls, because we, uh, it, the challenging part about hiring people is there's not probably not an assessment tool for figuring out how much someone knows about SBA lending and gives you a percent or, or maybe no. you had to create one. No, you, you become the assessment tool if you do what I do. And the issue in our state, and so we do a compensation study. I, I just 
published my seventh version of it. And we have 25 of the top 100 lenders in the country participated. So 15% of market share represented. So I know from HR people and comp committee people at these banks, I know exactly what people in our industry make at every level of experience. I know what their incentive is, all the percentiles. And so when I take that proprietary uh, information to market, it makes it a whole lot easier to right size, you know, compensation. What I, what we found is in the last four years, operational people are now about 30% more expensive across the board than they were four years ago. And that's because, you know, we had a two and a half year spotlight on the, uh, during the pandemic on the SBA program, demand is, you know, at an all time high. And there's a finite number of people with that really specialized skill set. And so they're making more and more and more for less and less and less experience. And that was the breaking point where we realized we've got to create a new generation of talent or not only are we not going to meet program demand, our industry is going to begin to um, sort of atrophy and waste away, you know, like, and, and there's a finite number of people to choose from. And so, so to your point of one in 42 getting a job, uh, we do use behavioral analytics and Shatterbox. We're, we're attracting kids straight out of college to grads four and five years out of college that kind of haven't found that career they love yet. You know, they're bouncing around. They took the job making the most money. They're trying to pay off student debt. They don't love what they're doing. Uh, we've got a great story to tell, but we haven't told it very well as an industry. And I think there's a lot of industries like that where, hey, you can make an impact while you're doing your work. You can, um, you know, when you close an SBA loan, you're creating jobs in a local community. Um, it's economic impact and it's lucrative, you know, and you've got the yeah. freedom to work from wherever. So as we tell that story, yeah, it's really compelling. And so now we're building these pipelines of talented young people, but they don't have any SBA experience. So they're we, we've been doing that too. And that, that takes years. I mean, you're talking about building a minor league farm system, you know, like that, uh, you know, and that has to start early. We we create we had to create we created a whole division or a whole department of university relations. Uh, we use we what what we realized kind of accidentally uh, was you know, I mentioned one in forty two. Well, that's people across a wide variety of experience sets. Now, sure. um, we use the exact same assessment process for a, for someone applying for an internship as we do for someone with twenty years of experience, which. Honestly, man, is kind of mean um, because it's only about one in eighty of the of the true entry level people make it through. But but by establishing these these benchmarks and knowing what we're That's looking right. for, that those that one in eighty, we want that. We call them our whiz kids, and yeah. they are there. And so you know, we trying to identify that. And and here's the thing: is what we realized, and why it took a couple of years to to build this is those. Those folk, those kind of applicants, they often get introduced and fall in love with the company in the same way, like during an internship program. And if yeah. you don't have that, someone else is scooping up the best talent. They never even heard about you, never had a shot at it. So we had to create that. We also created some fast track training programs, did some scholarship things. And this is a long play, but and we're finally now at the end of that pipeline where about six months ago, a lot of these folks come in and oh man, they are, they are really all-star kind of talent yeah. because they're, like I said, that one in 80, that person is like a sponge. So we put them around experienced people and it's just like, wow. Well, you and know? you give them resources to kind of accelerate their path toward proficiency. And that's, it's a heavy lift. And what we found is that every bank in our industry that wants to grow their loan program, they all know they need to do this. 
but none of them have kind of the few of them have the wherewithal um, to actually build it themselves. And so what we've done is build it. We'll build this 52 week apprenticeship program. That's, that's really accelerating people's path toward being good at the business. Mm -hmm. But then you select really talented young people into the program. Now, all of a sudden as a brand new graduate, I've got $18,000 of tuition investment from the company that's hired me. Well, that's meaningful. That builds retention. Um, but also I'm not waiting for somebody to come off the line of underwriting loans to teach me something because they're so busy. They can't take them off the line. I've got a tool to be learning that. And so I mean, you can build that internally or you can leverage that that somebody else has built. But what we've found is that there just aren't apprenticeship programs like this for specialized industries True. outside of companies like yours that have built it yourself. And right, the best day to plant a tree mm -hmm. is 60 years ago. The next best day is today. And right. so that's what, like, we're just looking for that forest of new people in this industry. <laughs> and then in the future, you know, public relations and middle market franchising and um, the industries that deal with this problem are the industries that are going to thrive in the next 20 years. And so we're trying to create tools to do that. Well, it's all about figuring out what the problem that the other person needs to solve is. And I can unpack this really quickly. So the, the, the students need an internship to graduate. Right. Okay. They need access to internships. Now with that, the schools and in the Philippines, so in Cebu city, which is the second biggest city in the Philippines, that's where our headquarters is. There's 8,000 computer science students. If I get the top 3%, man, I almost double the size of my company. Yeah. Uh, but, but with that, there's other people competing for that. There's other stuff. So we went and asked the schools, we said, what's the biggest problem you need to solve? And they said, oh my God, it was heartbreaking. I had a lady say to me, she goes, you know, Matt, computer science is impossible if you don't have a computer and we have student, we don't have equipment. They have a budget problem. So with that, I look, went back and looked at my company. Here we are. I mentioned five years old. Well, we have a dude, I have literally a shelf of laptops that have been decommissioned because I've got a bunch of people that are at four years and that's the life of it. And so what we started doing was for all the schools that got someone that if they get someone into and they complete the internship program, we give them a free laptop. Wow. And because yeah. it solves their problem. And it's also a fair kind of thing. And man, that word got out and, oh God, we have the most popular internship program <laughs> in, in, in the central Philippines. And, and with that though, we can take that program across the whole country. But here's the thing is like, you look at being able to solve the problems and dude, the schools didn't even believe us at first. We're like, you can give us a laptop. I'm like, yeah. And they, they still didn't believe me. So I was in the Philippines. I literally went to the mall and the first five schools that were there, I just out of budget, everything. I bought 15 laptops and I gave three to each school. I'm like, here's just a welcome gift. This is so you know, I am, we are serious. And they were just like over the moon with it. But once they saw that and you demonstrated that you're, you're not just in it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an important thing. And so that's the thing is you bring them in and then, and then with the internships, it's not like internship is a very different experience. To a lot of different companies. And I worked at one company where if you're an intern, you were lucky if you could even find enough shit to do every day. Cause you're getting coffee and making copies. You didn't yeah. learn anything. We teach them actual real skills. They obviously know how to code, but but here's the thing is having to skill, but not know how to solve a problem with it isn't a very valuable skill. So we look at more tangible things and like, here's the reality is you are going to be a remote developer. Let's get you ready for that. 
Yeah, it's interesting. One of our, we're in our beta right now. It's a seven week program and there's a kid, he's going to be a senior at the University of Kentucky and I'm mentoring him through the beta, right? And we're on week three. I talked to him yesterday and he's like, yeah, you know, I hear all the banter and all the acronyms of these people in the office and they're talking about stuff, right? And I'm scoring these loans and our, our minimum score to approve a loan, a small loan is 175, right? And this loan scored a 174. And so, but I realized that, you know, what I learned this week in the, in the material is that there's a couple of different programs for veterans, right? And this woman's a, she's an injured veteran. And so I sent an email to the credit officer and he said, oh, you're right. You know, we saved this one, put it in a different program. And so now, you know, you're giving him, he's working on something real, an actual loan application that came in kind of low level scoring, you know, thing that he's doing. But then the information that you've given him on the other hand allows him to connect some dots. And that's a win for him. He's going to get that intern's going to get a commission on that loan when it closes because it doesn't close if he doesn't catch that. So and then and that's, the that, that's critical thinking, though, that's critical yeah. thinking. And that see, that's a big thing for us that we try to because especially when you're young, especially like and, you know, now let's look at the Philippines and the culture there is actually a lot quieter, a lot more introverted. Um, so like. You know, we tell everyone immediately, we're like, okay, first off, you're good at what you do because you were able to even get a job here. Our clients want your input. They want your crit- your critical thinking. Don't get a plan, look at it and think, man, this is going to fall over after I build it. But they asked me to build it, so I should. That's not doing a good job. Like you mentioned, like, like it would, okay. So most people aren't good at critical thinking. Nine out of 10 people would have turned that 174 out of 175. They would have next. I I had that yesterday. So I just bought a farm um, and I'm trying, I I have like a hundred thousand dollar deck job that goes with it. And I called the, I call, I was calling around and it's a little bit out of KC and I had a place that, I mean, immediately just, they're like, you're not in our service area. I'm like, your service area runs with up to a mile away from where I'm at. And the guy's like, yeah, you're not in the service area. And I'm like, yeah. all right. Didn't ask anything. I guarantee you that the owner of that company would be pissed if he knew that a, a deal one mile away that, by the way, it's probably worth like five or six average size contracts. You know what I'm saying? But that's, yeah. that lack of critical thinking can really be deadly for a business and especially in tech too. Cause like, you know, you get, there's a lot to consider. Same thing with loans. I or, feel like loans is a very it. interesting thing. There could be a different story there. You know, I don't yeah. know. Well, and in digging and granted, you know, it's a $150,000 loan. There's not a ton of profitability in it, but, but you don't know that you're not going to get the second, third and fourth loan that business is going to do Correct. when they expand. But I think the issue too is like, you know, if I'm the owner of that company and I have not chosen the kind of people that have initiative or compensated them in such a way that it gives the guy the incentive to give a damn whether you're in yes. a service area or not. Yes. So there's a lot of things that can be going on there. Right? Well, give, uh, giving, giving any employee or anyone in general, like I, I, I'm, this is a, I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of, uh, a, a lot of commentary on this, but you know, give it, you give people a vested interest and yeah, that's right. And you know, and the whole thing and, uh, and you're going to find you have a lot more success because of it. Yeah. Um, okay. So now there's obviously a pretty wide range of, of 
you know, there's a ton of different stuff that, uh, you know, you look at, like, I don't even know how to begin to get into like, how, how do you qualify someone to actually be able to say, Hey, this is someone I might want to place with a client. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a little easier in a specialized industry that you've worked in for a long time. You can, you can sort of triangulate really quick. Where did that lead come from? You mm -hmm. know, uh, do I trust the person that it came from? And then I think, you know, you know, when you're talking to somebody about, um, developing or coding, like, you know, real quick and can smoke out whether they're giving you real information or they're just kind of talking and doing word salad at a high level about there's something. Test. Really like we can give a test. It's a lot. It, it, it has a very, it's a, there's a yes or a no component to that. For yeah. Sure. And so you, you kind of know that, you know, uh, if you know that space really well, it's a different question when you're hiring somebody with no experience for the industry that you're hiring them to. And so we use uh, behavioral analytics on the front end, you know, like you talked about earlier, we've dropped kind of that plumb line benchmark for certain roles that people might fill. And then we're matchmaking based on that. I think there's things in people's background that we're looking for that would indicate a level of um, competitiveness, say for a, for a sales job. Um, and again, initiative, what kind of additional things have they been involved in um, throughout school? And then, you know, we don't, we don't really look at resumes as much as we have a, a kind of a five question esoteric questionnaire, and they're going to have to give us a response to some kind of weird questions, you know, about themselves, um, things that they're proud of. And it's just interesting what flies off the page there. You just kind of see in, in almost always when we read through those questionnaires and then get into that first screening interview, the folks you're excited about based on what you saw there are the folks that you're excited about when you get off that call too. So, um, you know, I think it's, a, it's going to be different in every industry and in every kind of company. Um, but some of the things you've talked about are really interesting and that's just asking questions, listening really well, kind of understanding what works and then thinking through your own process in an intentional way. So, well, there's, and you know, there's a, a you know, you talk about uh, one of the main things when we're just interviewing someone now, keep in mind, like with businesses like Shatterbox and the same thing with full scale, um, a lot of people think, okay, like finding, placing job placement and this kind of, it, it's a two-way street. You got to have, you got to have a service provider that's excited about providing the service as well as a client that's excited about receiving it. Yeah. And if you get any, either side of that gets wonky, it's not going to last long. And so we ask people like, there's a few things like, what do you like doing the most in this profession? What do you like doing the least? And then what are you passionate about? And if you can, so the main thing and a big driver of that high retention rate for us is a high and heavy emphasis on getting people into long-term roles where they're doing things that they're passionate about. Because if you do something, if you're doing something that you're passionate about, it makes it so much easier to get up and do it on the days where you're not hyper motivated to do it. And, you know, like there's really a lot to be said <clears throat> about that because, you know, once, once again, when you're doing, it doesn't feel as much like work. Yeah, I, no, I couldn't agree with that more. I think that um, it's, it's tricky because there's also, there's always actually the job that has to be done. And so, um, you know, everybody can't do stuff they're passionate about all the time, but you can be aware of what, um, kind of scratches an itch for someone and put them on that task, you know, as much as possible. And I think too, give people some freedom in choosing the work 
that they get to work on. We, we've got an employee who's really passionate about um, uh, reaching out to kind of underserved communities and has worked in um, philanthropy and kind of the music industry a lot. And so, um, you know, one of the things we do is just provide a lot of free room to kind of roam and, and be doing those things, even though it doesn't have to do with the job. Like, look, you're good enough, effective enough doing the work I give you. If you need some time to go, put on a benefit concert in Nashville, which this person did a couple of months ago, take those four days and go do that, you know, cause that's going to feed your soul. I want your soul fed, you know, because you're just going to be more effective at everything I need well, you to and do And that's here. the key though. Yeah, that's the key. And, 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 you know, I mentioned too, asking people like, what do you like doing the most? What do you like doing the least? We also like look at those notes too, cause we don't want to put you in a role. Yeah. We're a big part of it. Now, here's the thing. We, let's go back to the very beginning of this episode, talking about yeah. hiring adults. As an adult, you accept the fact that sometimes not everything that you need to do in life is what you want to do or what you would like to do. But yeah. if you can minimize your exposure to some of that, you will end up a happier person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah, a pretty fair statement, right? Yeah. You know what else is a fair statement, Just, uh, Dustin, is reminding everyone that today's episode of Startup Hustle was powered by Fullscale.io. And if you need help hiring software engineers, testers, and leaders, Fullscale can help. We have the people in the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. If you go to Fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let our platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders at Fullscale. We specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Go to fullscale.io. While you're down in the show notes looking for that link, go to shatterbox.io as well to learn more about what Dustin's doing. And once again, congrats on being on a top, one of Startup Hustle's top Tulsa startups. It's kind of a tongue twister. Top <laughs> Tulsa startups in 2023. Uh, but with that, yeah. <laughs> with that, it's time for the Founders Freestyle and time for us to prepare our outro. So with that, Dustin, what would you, what, what did we talk about today that really stood out? What do we forget to talk about? Is there anyone that you need to give a couple accolades to? I mean, what, do, what are you thinking? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I just always come back to story and I think, you know, there, there's a, there's a big challenge if you're trying to run a company, grow a company in this employment environment, especially if you don't have the ability to go, um, take, uh, your, your operations offshore uh, or do something like you've done and look for talent in another place. And so, man, I think if I could encourage folks to do one thing, it would be to think really intentionally about um, your story, your narrative, how you tell it, making sure that it's consistent with what you're delivering when you bring people in. Um, and, you know, most of us, to be honest, we're, we're real busy doing the work that we're understaffed to do. And so we don't spend as much time kind of working on the business, thinking about those things as we do working in the business. And, um, you know, we could, we could all probably afford to knock some of the rust off the story and make sure that we're, um, uh, that we're being authentic to kind of what we want to do and how we're telling that story. I, I think that if you talk about talent wars, it, it, know that it is a war. I think that a lot of people get that part wrong. It's not about how many ping pong tables you have. It's not about, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not about a lot of shit. It's about, it's about providing an opportunity f that people value and creating a culture in a workplace that people want to be around. Now with that, um, I will tell you, you have a 100% chance of not pleasing 100% of people. Once your, once your company gets bigger than a few people, that's out the window. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't overwhelmingly, uh, you know, create a place that people take pride in working. And, you know, we spend a lot of time and effort at full scale doing a lot of things that kind of like, okay, right now we're, we're getting, we do a contest every, we have, a, we didn't do it during the pandemic, but prior to that, we had all these full scale banners, just like a, like a vinyl banner with the green full scale letters. We do a contest where we let people pick, take those out and imagine how beautiful the Philippines is, right? They have mountains, they have jungles, they have coral reefs, beaches. And we do a contest where we, we want to see who is going to take the best picture with full scale banner. And we had a group of employees that we have a mountaineering club at, and they dragged that banner to the top of a mountain and had it. And there was like five of them up there. And it's just a beautiful, it was the debt. It's been the desktop of my computer forever, but you could there, you know, so with that, we're gonna have a contest around that and kind of create some internal fun and things like that. And, you know, there's a lot of really interesting ways that you can create interesting vibey stuff at your business and still get some, some fun promo and collateral around it. Um, I think another thing too, is if you can't, as I mentioned, as an entrepreneur, okay, why did I create, I, I created this, this, uh, farm system, uh, for for youthful talent in the Philippines because it's a long long term is a much better and more affordable solution than just going out and finding a lot of people. Like, what does my company look like if I add ten people a month to it who are the smartest people out of a huge sample space of of, of youthful talent? You got to balance that out, and you got to find people at all levels of it. Because as you mentioned, boomers are retiring. Well, there's a 21 year old kid that's looking for a job somewhere. So well, tomorrow's all tomorrow's all stars and getting them in line are important too. I, I would add to that too. The, the, the other thing is if you're bringing only people in who are heavily experienced, you're bringing the most expensive people in and they're looking for an increase, a whole lot harder for you to do that for them. If you bring somebody in that's super bright, spongy, it's going to just absorb really rapidly. Um, and, and you're bringing them in at a level that there's a lot of room for them to grow. And by the time you're paying them, you know, kind of market at which a little bit, you know, exactly what you're getting because they've been with you that whole process. And so yeah. I think that's critical that whatever it looks like to bring, um, new, fresh faced, young, motivated people into your company, you have to do that or you're going to really struggle to be successful. And so, yeah. I mean, that's the problem we've all got to solve. I mean, that's why. I think Shatterbox is novel now. I don't think it will be like, we've got to reinvent the apprenticeship in this economy. Um, and where we don't, I think we're in trouble. <laughs> you know? We definitely reinvented the apprenticeship. Our apprenticeship for, um, in, in the Philippines is unlike any other program. Um, and we did that on purpose. And it, like I said, you get to create these programs, not just for the sake of having them, create them wanting to create value. And, because, because there's the thing is if you're, if you're at these kind of things or whatever, if they're hollow or they're bullshit, that word's going to get out too. like the best people aren't afraid of the challenge. And in fact, the, like, like, like the whiz kids that we hire, they hold their own, but they are on a different level. Like, cause they take it really seriously. You don't get that good. It's one thing like like talent and genius are two very different things. Talent is being able to hit the target that everyone sees. A genius hits the target no one even knew was there. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and it's and and with that, like also creating a culture like, okay, let's be realistic. Software developers are known for being a little odd. They're a little weird. Like 
embrace it. Like we like when we used to do in-person uh, interviews still, like if we would joke, like if that person shows up with a lightsaber, hire them right there. Like, you know, cause like, it's kind of, it's like a nerdy culture, you know, yeah. like, and, and you know, we never had that happen. Festival. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've got their, their cape on. If yeah, they, if they ask where, where, if they, if their desk is big enough for their Legos, like hire them, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> I need three Rubik's days. Yeah. They always need like three days off. And you're like, is that a holiday? They're like, and it is for, it'll be something weird. It'll be like three days to reflect the practices at Hogwarts Academy or something. <laughs> Hired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but create a culture around that, you know, and like, there's a lot of things that you can do that are, that are still like, that are mechanical and boring that businesses need to do, but you can find a way to have a little more fun. By the so, way, I think many, many of your future applicants are going to be coming in to, uh, into those zoom screening calls with, uh, with, with different props than has been customary for you now that you've, uh, given everybody. Well, we've been talking that one out for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, you know, that's a. Uh, but, you know, I think some of it, too, is also, you know, continually evolve your process as well. Like, you know, that um, I, I think that and this will be the last thing I want to say on the way out. But if you if you are at a company or running a company and you hear people saying things like this is always the way we've done it, that is a that is like that. If you start run, stop right there and just just do anything different because that is what dying companies say. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say that's that's what you say when when you're in some part of the death spiral process. Oh, yeah. Like those are the kind oh, of. Oh yeah, I worked. At, yeah, we mentioned before we recorded. I used to work in the in the music industry, but part of that was a specialized specialization in pianos and keyboards, which are dead in a lot of ways. But you know, and it, but I'd always work. At, I work at some of these stores around these. You get these old guys and they'd be like, oh, if it was, I just wish things the way they were 10 years ago. I'm like, guy, <laughs> it's not a good way to live. So yeah, you know, push that envelope. Don't be afraid to, you know, I, I made a post on Facebook the other day and I said, you know, any big task is guaranteed to not have a perfect result when you get there. Right. So with that, don't be afraid to make mistakes along that journey because it's going to happen. You know, there's no, such, there's no such thing as perfection. It just yeah. doesn't really happen. And so, you don't learn if you don't screw up. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Go for it. Own it. Have fun with it. Dustin, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to catch up with you down the road. And congratulations to everyone at Shatterbox on making it on the list. You guys rock. And I appreciate it. And I'm grateful to get the time with you today, Matt. I'll uh, catch up with you soon. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.